This morning, if you have a copy of God's Word with you, if you would like to turn to it or turn it on to Galatians chapter 5, that's where we'll be. Brother Don is going to come and read our text for us this morning. You were running, <clears throat> you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persecution is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But I, brothers, if I if still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In the case of the in the excuse me, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Thank you very much, brother. As we consider this text this morning here in Galatians chapter 5, I have a couple of questions for you. I think to kind of help us get in the mindset of not only what we're seeing here, but why this is valuable, important, and needed for us. All right, so how many of you have ever started a diet before, right? You decide, I need to drop a few pounds, I need to get in shape. And you start a, a diet, and then just one little holiday or birthday party or something that you go to where you remember all of a sudden how much you actually love cake or cookies, or whatever it is, just completely derailed you, and you never got back on the diet plan. You don't have to raise your hand this morning. I see some of you may be pointing at people next to you. Um, have any of you ever done the same thing with an exercise regimen, right? I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk this many miles every day for the whole year, whatever. And then you get the sniffles for a week, and you need to take a couple of days off, and you're still on that break. Have any of you you've done that before? Um, you know, we can very easily get sidetracked. And sometimes when we get sidetracked, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but sometimes when we get sidetracked, brothers and sisters, it points us in a direction and a path that we go down for a long time, and it can be really detrimental. All right, one more. How many of you have ever flown in an airplane, a commercial airplane, and... I don't think they have it anymore, but you remember the Sky Mall magazine. Y'all remember Sky Mall magazine? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just imagine like a magazine full of things that you see on infomercials. That's basically what we're talking about. So how many of you have ever looked at Sky Mall magazine or you've been up too late at night or too early in the morning and started watching an infomercial and became convinced that you needed to buy something that you absolutely do not need to buy. Has that ever happened to y'all before? Oh, this would be, that looks so good. Every summer whenever we go to the lake with Amanda's family, I'm convinced that I need a boat. I don't need a boat. I don't have a vehicle that can pull a boat. I don't have time to go out in a boat, right? But man, we can very easily be influenced by things that we see by people that we are around, by things that we read. Brothers and sisters, this morning as we look at this text that Brother Don read for us, we're, we're going to be reminded that, that this truth, that we can get easily sidetracked, these truths, that we can get easily sidetracked and that we are greatly influenced 
by people and things around us. We're going to see in this text that those aren't realities just for diet and exercise and how we spend our money. That it's also a spiritual reality as well. That we can easily get sidetracked from the truth. And that we can very easily be influenced by people around us. So here I, I, I wanted to do a little bit of work this morning of kind of giving you a summary statement for Christians hearing this text this morning. I think I boiled it down to this. We can be easily sidetracked and there are many false teachers. Therefore, we can't settle for starting correctly, but we must continually guard our hearts and minds against false teaching. We're going to look at this this morning we're going to, we've already been reminded that we can get sidetracked. We're going to be reminded in the text that there are false teachers around us. We don't think about that often. It's not a reality that's before us every day, but it is a truth. So brothers and sisters, though we have many of us started correctly, being taught the gospel, being discipled in the truth of God's word, we can't just stay there, but we have to continually and as Brother Shane read for us earlier from Proverbs, vigilantly guard our hearts and minds against the lies that we will be faced with. Look with me in the text in Galatians chapter 5 as we see this. We'll read verse 7 and we'll talk about the illustration here before we move on. Paul says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And before we consider that together, I would love to stop for just a moment and to pray and to ask the Lord's blessing on our hearts and minds as we consider His Word. If y'all would join me as we pray. Father God, this is a blessing. We recognize that. That this is Your inspired, holy, and perfect Word that we have here before us. Lord, You gave it to Paul to write to the Galatians. And you've had it preserved through the work of the Spirit through all these years so that we could, we could sit here together and read it today and consider it. So, Father, as we look at your word as your people, I pray that your Spirit would be active among us in our hearts and minds, helping us to understand and discern it. Father, help us to understand what you would have us to learn here and how you would have us to implement it in our lives Father, I pray that we would not be distracted for this brief time that we have during the week to consider your word together in this format. Father, that we would not be concerned about things that happened yesterday or things that will happen tomorrow, things inside or outside of this room. But Father, that we would simply focus on the teaching of your word and that you would use it to turn our hearts and minds more towards you, that we would love you and live lives honoring to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't you love a good illustration? I do. I've talked about this before. We love picture stories, and that's what Paul paints for us here. If y'all haven't heard, the Summer Olympics are coming around this summer. And so those of you that have seen the Summer Olympics, you can kind of picture what Paul's talking about here in verse 7 when he says, you were running well, and then gives this picture of someone hindering the runner. So these Galatians that he's talking to, he's using this illustration of a runner. And for them, this would have almost certainly been a foot race inside of a coliseum. 
right? The, the Colosseum and the runners line up and they get in their particular lanes and each one of them is ready. And those of you that love, to, love for years to watch Usain Bolt, you can picture this. They all get ready and then the gun fires and they take off. And so the picture here is of a runner who's in his lane and he's running his race well. He's staying in his lane and he's doing what he's supposed to and he's fighting hard. And all of a sudden this hindrance is this hindrance would be someone coming into his lane, likely. He's running and he's doing what he's supposed to, but because of somebody else, he's being impeded in his progress. And so Paul here is using that picture of a runner running in his lane and somebody else coming into that lane and impeding him from being able to continue running his race as he was. He's using that as an illustration for what had spiritually happened among the Galatians. If you haven't been with us or you just haven't thought about Galatians in a few days, let me remind you, these brothers and sisters were lost Gentiles living a very Greek worldly life until Paul came among them and he shared with them the gospel. And they heard the truth of God's word and they had faith in Jesus and they began to follow him and they were discipled by Paul. And so they... uh, they initially knew the truth and they trusted in their salvation by God's grace alone through faith alone in Jesus alone. But at some point later, some point after Paul had left, these false teachers had come in and had taught them that faith alone was not enough, that you had to have faith and circumcision, that you had faith and following the law of Moses. And so he's saying that these false teachers coming in are like a runner cutting in front of them, impeding and hindering them from continuing on the course that they were. And so these these false teachers had come in and had led them to believe a lie. But I have kids, and many of you have kids, and what I always, not always, but very often like to remind my kids is nobody else makes you do anything, right? These Galatian Christians had been influenced with the teaching of lies. They may have been hindered because somebody came in among them and started teaching these lies, but the reason that they believed the lie is because they weren't diligent to remember the truth. Right? You can't say, well, the Galatians, really the reason that the Galatians were believing lies is because of the false teachers. No doubt the false teachers were the ones that were peddling these lies and teaching these false things. But the Galatians very easily could have rejected it and said, no, that's not true. No, that is not the truth of God that we were taught. But because they weren't diligent to remember the truth... They had been led astray. And brothers and sisters, we have to hold on to that thought as we continue today. That if we're not continually testing things against the truth of God's word, then we are putting ourselves in a vulnerable position to be led astray. So he reminds them here that they've gotten sidetracked. That's what he's doing in verse 7. You were running well. Who has hindered you from obeying the truth? And then in verses 8 and 9... He talks about really the importance of these lies, 
how vital it is that they turn away from them, how big of an impact these lies can have. So look with me there in verses 8 and 9. He said, this persuasion, right, are these things you're believing. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So here in verse 8, he makes it very clear that these teachings are not from God. These are, these are not from Jesus who has called you. That's what he's saying. This persuasion is not from him who's called you. He's saying these things are not from God. Now, really, I don't want to spend too much time on the point here, but I think that it's possible. I, I feel certain that he's saying at the very least, hey, these teachings are wrong. I think that's kind of what he's highlighting by saying that these aren't from God. We know if they were from God that they would be true. And so I think saying that this persuasion or these teachings are not from God, at the very least is pointing out that these teachings are false and wrong. But I think there could be more here. Again, I'm trying to discern Paul's intent in this teaching. But I think it's at least possible that Paul could be referencing where these teachings aren't from, saying they're not from God, as a reference to saying where they are from, which would be from Satan or at least from people that are being influenced by Satan. Right? We have the God of all truth and we have the Father of lies. And I think it's possible that Paul, as a pastor, and the way that he's talking to these Galatians and the way he's taught them so far in this letter, for him to say that this is not from God is potentially him saying be very careful because I believe these teachings are from Satan. But either way, he's saying for certain, these are not true. These teachings aren't God's teachings. These are not scriptural teachings. And then in verse 9, he, gives, he quotes a proverb to give a very stark warning about what seems like a small thing, a small lie, a little doctrinal discrepancy, if you will. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, what does he mean by that? I think those of you that bake at least understand the reference. That when you're baking bread, it doesn't take much yeast to affect an entire, dough, an entire batch of dough, right? And in the same way, what they might would consider a, a little lie or a small thing, he's saying, is no small thing. That little lie, little lie, or that small difference here will have profound impacts both in your life as an individual and on the community of faith that you're in. Point one this morning is this. The impact of false teachings is devastating. The impact of false teachings is devastating, right? He gives this idea of them being pushed off track or hindered in their running the race that they were running. He gives this idea of, of how it's going to permeate in their lives and permeate in the community of faith and cause issues that will grow more and more. He's already asked them. I think probably one of the most clear places that he shows how big of a deal and how devastating this little thing is was back in chapter 1, verse 6, when he said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you and the grace of Christ 
and are turning to a different gospel. Brothers and sisters, Paul doesn't count this believing a lie as a small thing, but as a big thing that's going to have a massive impact. All right, let me be the first to be clear about this. I am not a carpenter. I'm not a carpenter, I'm not a builder, I'm not good at those things. Um, But some of you are. We have several in here that are uh, carpenters that can build houses and can do things. So let me ask you this, those of us, those of you, not us, those of you that are carpenters, how big of a deal is it if, if we're going to build a building shed of some sort, 20 foot by 30 foot, how big of a deal is it if the the frame for this building is three inches out of square. Yeah, it's not good, is it? Right now, now for those of us that aren't carpenters, we say three inches on a 600 square foot building doesn't sound like a very big deal. But those of you that are carpenters are saying, oh, but you're going to have trouble with the trusses. And oh, you're going to have trouble with the frame. And oh, whenever you try to put the trim up, it's not going to make. And you're thinking about all of the ways that this three inches off is going to impact the building as a whole. And in a very similar sense here, Paul is telling us that about believing false teachings. That, that although it might seem small, brothers and sisters, those small things have a way of having a massive impact that is lasting and that that works in our heart and life because even though I may think the thing that I'm believing, the thing that I'm believing that's wrong is a small thing, that small disorientation, right? That being off track just a little bit, that having the frame off square just a little bit can really balloon as time goes on. And not only in my life, but in the life of the community, because now something that I am teaching, a doctrine, a a portion of theology that I'm teaching that is incorrect, is now going to permeate and affect my children or my spouse or my Sunday school class or the other people around me. And we can really see why Paul decided to bring in this proverbial statement of a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This little thing can be a very big thing. I think that's why we do see in Proverbs 4.23 the call to keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. And I, I don't quote from the NIV often, but I do like the way the NIV considers this verse. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Brothers and sisters, this is what I think we see here as a call for Christians. I believe this text is imploring us to please, please be cautious about what we believe. To not be lackadaisical about doctrinal things, about our worldview, about our theology, that we be careful what we believe and who we believe, who we are listening to, what we are reading, what websites we are visiting, that all of these things that we think about, the influence that they have on us, and let me be clear, they do have an influence on us, 
whether we believe it or not. What you listen to and who you listen to and to whom you spend your time with and the things that you are around influence you in ways that you may or may not recognize. So brothers and sisters, please, please be very cautious about what we allow to spend a good deal of time in our life because those things can disorient in ways that we may not recognize. This is how I think of it. If this person is shaky, then no thank you. That's what I say. You don't have to say that. I think there's also in this text a call that we don't see a lot, but I think that that is very specific for the false teachers. Look with me back at the text in verse 10. I'm going to read through verse 12. Paul said, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now, verses 11 and 12 are each peculiar in their own way. I think verse 11, because Paul's addressing a lie that was being told about him. We haven't heard the lie, so it seems almost out of context, his rebuttal to it. And then verse 12 seems quite peculiar because, well, let's just face it, we don't hear many calls in Scripture for people to emasculate themselves. But I think it shows how fervent Paul is about this matter, about these false teachers that have come in and told these lies. But I really want to look more at verse 10 here in the application of what we've seen. In, in verse 10, he starts out with a, a confidence, right? A statement showing that he is confident that the Galatians are going to believe the truth. That the Galatians are going to agree with him that these false teachers are a hindrance and a problem and that they will put them out of their life. He is confident of that. But in the second part of verse 10, he shows us a different confidence that he has, a confidence about what is going to happen to these false teachers. What does he say? He says, And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty. Now, many of your translations, if you don't have an ESV this morning, say judgment in place of penalty there. And I think that either one's okay because I do believe that that's what Paul is speaking to here. The idea that there is divine judgment and wrath from God that is coming for those who are teaching false doctrine to God's people. Seeking to lead God's people astray. In Galatians chapter 1, he says that those that are teaching a false gospel would be accursed or cursed by God. That's not a term that's used lightly in Scripture. And in Matthew 18, 6, many of you have heard this. It says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Brothers and sisters, God does not play around with people that are purposely trying to lead His people astray, that are trying to influence His people, His children, to believe things 
that he knows are not true. He tells the church to look out for these type of teachers. He gives part of the specific role of a pastor is to look out for those wolves in sheep's clothing that try and come among the people. Brothers and sisters, he is not going to take lightly this sort of thing. And so whenever he talks here about they will bear the penalty or bear the judgment, I think he's saying exactly what it sounds like he's saying, that one day at the day of judgment, those that have done this will find themselves cut off from God, banished to hell, that they will endure separation from God and His goodness and His grace and all comfort, and they will endure that forever and ever and ever. That judgment is coming for those who do this type of work. And that sounds harsh. And that is harsh. But if you're here and you're a false teacher, I pray that, that you would pay very special attention to this teaching. Because it is clear and it is plain and it is harsh, but it is true. Point two, it's the last point this morning. The fate of false teachers will be devastation. Right? The impact of false teachings is devastating, but the fate of false teachers is devastation. They will find themselves in a place of devastation and they will be there for all of eternity unless, unless they repent during this life and turn to the Lord. So let me be, let me be very clear about this because some of you are thinking, who's Brother Zach talking to? Right? I know, I used to sit where you sit, uh, and you do that. The preacher, when he starts talking about something that's that direct, you say, all right, he's talking to somebody. He's preaching to somebody this morning. He's got somebody. I don't have anybody in mind. There's no particular individual. But let me say this. If you're here, and you're here as a wolf in sheep's clothing, you're here teaching and peddling false doctrine among God's people, trying to lead his people astray, you know who you are. I may not know who you are, but I want you to hear this. You know who you are, and God knows who you are. And so it doesn't matter if you can fool me, because you will not fool God. But I know this, that the New Testament is clear that this sort of thing will happen. That it happened in Galatia, where Paul had been the pastor. Right? It's, it's a warning in Ephesus. In Acts 20, where Timothy was pastor, and I just know this, I'm not naive enough to think that if it can happen in Galatia, where Paul had been pastor, if it can happen in Ephesus, where Timothy had been pastor, that it couldn't happen at Mount Zion, where I'm serving as a pastor. So we just want to be clear that this is here. If you're teaching false teaching, it's not okay. That's the first thing I want you to hear if you're a false teacher. But the second thing I want you to hear is this. If you are teaching false teachings there's still hope for you. This is the beauty of the gospel. That even those who have been enemies of God, purposefully been enemies of God, who opposed Him, are able to come to Him, are able to receive His divine grace, could 
could follow in the, the steps of Jesus and follow what you saw Levi do this morning, that they could have the, the power of sin and the guilt of sin in their life removed forever because of the toning work of Jesus Christ. He is God and He left heaven and He came to earth. And he lived a perfect life. And he did die an atoning death where he paid the penalty for our sins. And then he overcame death. And that's not just for those that are pretty good or okay. Brothers and sisters, that gospel's for everybody. So if you're here this morning and you feel like you're pretty good, but you've never had faith in Jesus, you need to repent and you need to turn to him and you need to call on him as Lord and Savior. But if you're here and you know that you're like way on the other end of pretty good, like you've actually been working to undermine the work of God's word and you have hated God and his people, that gospel still for you and you can repent and you can turn to Him. And you can find saving grace this morning as well. If you're a false teacher, I want you to know there's hope for you. Praise God, there's hope for all of us. But if you're here and you're not a false teacher, and you say, all right, brother, Zach, come back around to us. I think, I think it's simple. Sometimes what we really need is just a good old-fashioned reminder. And here's the reminder. There are people in your life, whether they're in this building or not, whether they're in your family or not. It may be co-workers. It may be a boyfriend or girlfriend. It may be a coach or a teammate. It may be the person that you watch on the news channel that you watch every morning. But there are people in your life who would love to lead you to believe something other than what Scripture teaches. You need to hear that. We need to be reminded that I'm not this fear mongerer type. Brothers and sisters, God's word is true. And it's clear. There are false teachers. And Satan is doing his very best to make sure that somebody is impinging on us. That somebody is hindering us from following Christ as we should. So what do we do? We know the truth of God's word and we test everything against it. Over and over. Is this true? Does this align with God's word? Is this opposed to God's word? We do that in all facets of our life. And the more you do it, the better you get, and the easier it comes. And brothers and sisters, if we do that, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about false teachers and false teachings because we know the truth. And when we follow the truth, we know that we're running the race we should and walking the path that we should. This morning, I want to invite you to stand, and I don't know where you are on the spectrum today, and this really runs the gamut. Maybe you're here this morning, and you are a false teacher. Maybe you're not a false teacher, but you're just lost. You haven't been working to purposefully oppose God and His people, but you've been opposing God by sinning and living a life of sin. And today, you recognize that you need that divine grace. Come. Let me talk to you about what that looks like. Surrender your life and pledge your allegiance to Jesus Christ. He will accept you. It's a teaching of God's Word. He will accept you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you just recognize as you're sitting here that you are off track. That you've been listening to a friend or a family member or reading books by someone that has led you to believe things that are not true. Brothers and sisters, maybe take this time to pray that God would help you to get back on track and orient you with His Word. And maybe you're here and you're running the race well. Praise God. 
But if that's you, recognize that it's not guaranteed that you'll always stay on course. And pray and ask God to help you to be focused on Him and His Word and to test everything against it. But you respond however the Lord's leading you to as Brother Shane, our praise team, lead us in a hymn of response.